The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are run around tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1992's Lawnmower Man. Directed by Brett Leonard, starring Jeff Fahey, Pierce Brosnan, Jenny Wright, Jeffrey Lewis, Jeremy Slate, Dean Norris, and Austin O'Brien. The Lawnmower Man is a 1992 American science fiction action horror film. This film currently holds a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? A trip into virtual reality. Angelo has developed a virtual reality system, which truly immerses the user into the world of computer (laughs) make-believe. The lawnmower man, Job, who is retarded. Whoa, is putting... hey! Whoa. I'm reading this! Did you write this? No! <laughs> this, is, this is outrageous. <laughs> who, who wrote this plot synopsis? <laughs> Didn't you vet this before you picked it? No, I just picked the shortest one. <laughs> I apologize for this hate speech. <laughs> the lawnmower man, Job, is put into the system to find out as if his intelligence can be improved. It can, but not without... <laughs> Terrible lots of this. So bad. It's offensive, poorly written. Could it be done? Yes. <laughs> but not without some serious side effects. That's it. That's it. That takes the cake. That's the worst plot. It's offensive. This should be taken off of IMDb's website. The only way that could have been worse if it was like talked about the wrong movie, right? Or something. <laughs> Okay, lawnmower man. Kevin, what is your history with trying to record a podcast about the lawnmower man? Unfortunately, I've tried to record this episode before. Yeah, we've been here before. And if you notice, we're missing a uh, a piece of the triumvirate here. And why is that, Kevin? What happened last week? Yeah, I guess we got to go through this whole story. Joel and I watched The Lawnmower Man prior to our recording date for the episode last week. As is our custom. Yeah, we don't even need to coordinate this anymore. It's 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 like clockwork, right? Yeah. Anyway, we show up to record. Lo and behold, Martin has not been able to watch the movie. So Joel and I watched this piece of crap movie again, a, a second time with Martin. Then we went to record and unfortunately, Job infected Joel's computer and completely <laughs> broke it. Yeah. Yeah, everything shut down. It, you you had to hack your computer just to get it to sh- shut off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was insane. It was like, I, I thought I was watching Swordfish. Yeah, you like that, huh? You like me using grep and awk to kill the process? It's very impressive. One person knew what I'm talking about. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties last week. We could not record this episode when we wanted to. Yeah, by the time the computer was fixed, it was well after midnight. Yeah, because we, we didn't had, have time to record Yeah, we episode. had to sit there and watch this stupid movie twice. It was a huge waste of time. And the real irony is that, if you notice, that bastard Martin made us watch this movie twice for nothing. You know, when I told him about this, pointed out this little irony, he laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. It's a real classless move on his part, yet again. You know, I firmly believe that this whole thing was his plan from the start. It was orchestrated, right? Absolutely. (laughs) 
Well, here we are. Round two of The Lawnmower Man. Hopefully, we could do this movie justice. Well, anyway, what's your actual history with this movie? Before watching it for the show, I have never seen it before. I've never seen two seconds of this before. I knew there was a movie called Lawnmower Man. That was it. Yeah, I knew this movie existed. I remember seeing images of it back in the 90s. That stupid Lawnmower Man face is very iconic to me. Like, I remember that. Like, Job screaming in virtual reality. That's what I remember about this movie. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did first up jeff fahey the lawnmower man himself i thought this guy was terrible why is that i thought he was offensive how come he played this character like it was a two-year-old instead of an adult with a mental handicap which is what he was supposed to be yeah it was terrible what did you think of him pre and post lawnmower man transformation pre was (laughs) offensive post a little better i wasn't offended by it and i guess there's like trans human version of him in the cyberspace how do you there. That was probably the best Jeff he had to offer. <laughs> A scathing indictment. <laughs> Next up, the triumphant return. Pierce Brosnan. Back again, Dante's Peak. Yeah, this is this is a fairly young Pierce Brosnan. I wasn't feeling that earring he had in his ear this movie. Not happy about that. No, it was like a pirate earring. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It negatively affected his acting skills. Absolutely. He, um... <laughs> First, this guy can't do push-ups. Now he can't pick earrings. What's next? Yeah, I I wasn't impressed with Pierce's performance here. He was very over the top, very dramatic with everything he was doing. You know what? That's really a good point. He's a supporting character in this movie, really. This isn't his movie. And he was really, really over the top. Like, he was at 11. Would you compare him to Shia LaBeouf? (laughs) In the Transformers movie, like how he's always amped up. Yeah, that's probably pretty pretty good analogy there. Yeah, he's way more amped up than everyone around him. Unnecessarily so. Yeah. Especially if there's certain scenes when he starts screaming and yelling at people. At that scene towards the end where he's in the meeting with, yeah, exactly. with those two guys and he freaks out way over the top. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Those are the only two people worth mentioning, except for one guy that we know who had a little cameo in this film. A good buddy, Hank, from Breaking Bad. Yeah, he was there. How'd he do? Very strange. Very Very terrible. He did not grow up. His voice was really weird. It was really low and monotonous, monotone. Yeah. It was loudly whispering. That's the best way to describe this guy. He was supposed to be a big shot, big wig, intimidating guy. Were you intimidated? No, not at all. It was a joke. He was crap. I don't know why anybody would be afraid of this guy. I don't know. Well, that's pretty much it. There is nobody else in this movie even worth talking about. I mean, the last action hero himself is in this movie, the little kid. Were you impressed? No, not at all. Kevin, I mean, he's a little kid. I wasn't impressed. Look, the rest of the people in this movie were very bad. There's bad acting all around. Pierce's wife. (laughs) She was pretty bad. Pretty bad. (laughs) The bald-headed guy at the... Yeah, he was one of the worst. He was bad. Everyone's a lot of bads go around here. Okay, all right. And that's pretty much it. A plus for effort for everyone? I think the kid's dad was probably the best actor in this movie. Oh, the deadbeat dad. Okay, yeah, all, dead right, beat all right, dad. right. He did a real good job with that. All right, that's it. Let's get into the brief history of Lawnmower Man. The film's original script, written by director Brett Leonard and producer Gimmel Everett, was titled Cyber God. It had nothing to do with Stephen King's short story. New Line Cinema held the film rights to 
King story and decided to combine Cyber God with some minor elements of King's The Lawnmower Man. The resulting film, originally titled Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man, differed so much from the source material that King sued the filmmakers to remove his name from the title. The scene where the cop says that the missing piece of the dead man is in the birdbath is the only thing in the entire movie that was in the Stephen King short story. After two court rulings in King's favor, New Line Cinema still did not comply and initially released the home video version as Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man. A third ruling granted the author $10,000 per day in compensation and all profits derived from sales until his name was removed. The revolutionary computer-generated imagery, CGI, created for the film originally from the American developer Angel Studios, later becoming rock star San Diego, who would go on to be known for the Midnight Club series of video games. To me, that's the most interesting aspect of this entire movie. By far. (laughs) That's the most interesting thing going on here. What do you think about them robbing Stephen King's name? That's the most interesting thing to me was that, I mean, not so much that they robbed his name, but the fact that even after a court ruling, they just completely ignored it and continued to use his name. They didn't give a damn. That's amazing. The court ordered you to do something. (laughs) You're a giant corporation seling this thing in every video store in the country. Would they think they were going to get away with it? Hey man, Hollywood answers to no one. I can't argue that. The eight minutes of computer generated special effects took seven people eight months to complete on a budget of $500,000. The movie debuted at number two at the box office with $7.7 million in its opening weekend behind Wayne's World. A sequel, Lawnmower Man 2 Beyond Cyberspace was released in 1996. It was retitled Lawnmower Man 2 Job's War. For its video release, the film received negative reviews from critics and fans of the first movie alike. They were fans of the first movie, Kevin? I guess so. Maybe one of us is a fan oh, of the movie. Oh, tune in to find out. With a budget of $10 million, this movie raked in an impressive $32 million domestic. Okay, Kevin, Lawnmower Man. So this movie starts off in typical yes, yeah, that bad fashion. It did not let me down. We got white text, black screen. What the hell were they talking about? They were just letting us know that by the turn of the millennium, <laughs> a technology known as virtual reality will be widespread. It, it'll be like the telephone and the TV, right? Exactly. But some people believe that VR may have other uses, such as mind control. <laughs> Kevin, what happened? It's 2013. The millennium has already turned. Where's my VR? We all had it. We had it at our fingertips. We had Virtual Boy. We blew it. None as a of society. us bought it. We totally blew it. We could have. We could have did it. We, we could all be hooked into our Virtual Boy 6.0s at this point. It seems like virtual reality is one of those things that we, as a society, we've been chasing for years and years. It's like 3D, right? 3D movies and stuff. It's in the same league. Like we're just chasing this stupid gimmick all the time. I remember as a kid, like you said, Virtual Boy. I remember as a kid in arcades, you can play games that were VR, like that beach head 3000 piece of crap where you put the mm-hmm. VR goggles on and get pink eye from all the other people <laughs> that used it. 
I mean, there's there's that. And today in 2013, they actually are trying to revive VR goggles again with this thing called the Oculus Rift that lets you play computer games in 3D. What do you think, Kevin? Would you want to buy a 3D pair of glasses? Supposedly this modern thing actually works the way that you intend 3D glasses to work. Would you put Google Glass in that category? No. No? No, because what's virtual about it? I mean, you're seeing the real world. I guess, but... It's more like you're altering reality a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. Reality's tough enough. I don't need another one to deal with. <laughs> no? No. Yeah, but it, it always seems to be in movies about the future, right? Like Minority Report. Like everything in the future is always... VR. Who cares? All right, so after we get the introductory text, we cut to a company called Virtual Space Industries. Kevin, what's Virtual Space Industries? That's a really good question that I'm not sure I have an answer to. <laughs> they seem like they were involved with the military industrial complex somehow. Yeah, I, I really don't know. It's this giant building in the seemingly in the middle of nowhere that's run by shadow organizations from the government. Yeah, the Illuminati. And they're doing all kinds of weird tests and stuff. It was almost like this whole complex was devoted to Pierce Brosnan's Virtual project. Reality project. I, I, don't, I don't know. With a name like Virtual Space Industries and all that stuff, I mean, they're essentially a video game company, right? <laughs> they look like they're in a dungeon or something. The inside is like a dungeon. Yeah. What the hell? Who would design this? This looks terrible, right? Yeah. It, oh, yeah, absolutely. Just from like a set design perspective. That's not something that we talk about a lot on this show, like set design. Really lazy set design here. So poor. So we, we're introduced to this place that looks like a prison. And we are introduced to one of the test subjects here at uh, Virtual Space Industries. The little monkey. Yeah, a little chimp. I'm feeling shades of Hollow Man in this movie. Oh, yeah? Would you agree? This movie is Hollow Man-esque. We see a lot of these kind of Frankenstein stories, and this is a Frankenstein story, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Hollow Man-like, there's a monkey in this movie. Kevin, what happens to this monkey? He, he's a battle ape. He's being hooked into this virtual reality thing, and it's made him so smart, he's able to pick the lock on his cage. So this monkey gets out of jail, and what's the first thing it does? Throws on its virtual reality helmet, of course. Yeah, the VR helmet that I assume that when you put this helmet on, you go into the virtual reality video game world. Yeah. But instead, this monkey is running around like he's RoboCop. He's wearing Google Glass. He's seeing all these numbers and statistics and uh, telemetries in his head. <laughs> He's trying to kill, and this monkey does what he does best. He grabs a gun and starts running around with a, a nine millimeter in his hand. I started laughing and laughing and laughing immediately. Just the imagery of this monkey in this RoboCop suit running around with a gun in his hand. Someone thought this was a good idea. They wrote it down in a script. Someone in New Line Cinema was like, that's amazing. Here's $30 million. Go make this movie. Kevin, what are your thoughts here? It is very funny. It's probably the best part of this movie because it made me laugh. It, this thing can, it's like sees through walls. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the rise of the planet of the apes. <laughs> I, I was laughing the whole time this is happening. It's just so funny that this monkey's like hunting humans in this lab. <laughs> He's a human hunter. <laughs> 
He really was. He grabbed the gun. He shot that guy in the head, and then he went on a killing spree. Yeah. It. This is very much like uh, what I'd expect from like an early '90s video game. It really was. It, it was unbelievable how funny this was. This is the funniest thing I've seen. So the moment this started, I laughed like a belly laugh, a hearty, hearty. I haven't laughed that hard in forever. So anyway, after taking out most of the armed guards in this laboratory, someone takes that monkey out. They kill the monkey. Very sad. <laughs> was it? Very, very they hollow sad. man that monkey. <laughs> Yeah, they picked him up and smashed him against the wall. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan finds out about this. He's really upset because apparently Pierce Brosnan is developing some sort of system to make animals more intelligent. And he's doing this via virtual reality and with drugs, correct? I mean, that's what we guess is happening. That's what we're told is happening? I'm not sure how much sense all that makes. So he's trying to be the good guy scientist, but his bosses are trying to pervert his science for war and evil. How many times... Have we seen this? I mean, this is a totally new idea, right? Yeah, this is completely new. Yeah, anyway, so Pierce is pretty pissed off. I kind of like this scene here where he's Pierce is complaining to his bald-headed boss guy. There's a scene where they're talking, and the camera is slowly panning around. Kevin, do you remember this? There's like a two giant pillars in this room, and the camera is just kind of panning to the left and the right, and the majority of the scene, Pierce Brosnan is hidden behind a pillar. I don't remember this at all. You don't even see him. Like, the camera is moving from left to right, and Pierce purposely moves behind these pillars like twice. When the pillar moves out of the way, he moves in front of the other pillar and is totally blocked. I don't remember that at all. I was blown away. I was like, what? This is cinematography? <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, he wants to use virtual reality for the greater good. And he's sitting in his basement using his own personal virtual reality relaxation program. Kevin, can you describe what this was like? Oh, I'm not really sure that there's words to accurately describe this other than to say it looked like a Skittles commercial. Like a rainbow is exploding. That's what it looks like. Yeah. There's colors everywhere. 1992 era CG graphics. They were, uh, they left a lot to be desired, I thought. So Pierce, he's, he's hooked up to this thing. He's, he's got his hands up in the air. He's like moving his hands. He's floating in this weird chair he's got. He's making sex noises. I thought he's like, oh, oh, floating in that chair. Oh, yeah. He brings up like a little menu and it's like free fall, flying, farting, farting, <laughs> of course. <laughs> he he picks like free fall. He's whoa! It's really weird. Why would you even do that? That's relaxing, I guess. How is that relaxing? Don't people usually like wake up violently from dreams when they free fall? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This brought my first question for about this whole virtual reality thing. So he's in this chair. It's kind of like a hammock type chair, but he's stationary, right? Like yeah. he might swing a little bit. When he clicks on free fall, there's the visually he's free falling, but he doesn't feel anything, right? Yeah. No, his body couldn't be doing it. No. So that, what's the point of free falling? To me, this movie is just like any other Hollywood movie that tries to use technology or like the internet or movies. The people who write these scripts don't have any idea about the technology they're talking about and they just assume that they can do anything and everything or they can do whatever the script demands them to do Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever just like how anybody can hack into anything and make it do anything that they want with two keystrokes in this movie you put on a stupid goggle you look at a a video in front of your eyes and and you get smarter or you feel like you're free falling how does that work doesn't it's the drugs right you think he must be on the drugs that's the only way it works because there's a drug component here i got the 
impression the drugs were like a steroid more than a mind altering chemical like that. I mean, it didn't seem like when you injected it that it really did anything to you, right? It would have made more sense if it was like a hallucinatory drug. It didn't seem like that's the case. And what you saw actually became the reality. So there's, at what point, Pierce says, virtual reality holds the key to the evolution of the human mind. What? What does that mean? How does that work? I don't understand that. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) It's bio-digital jazz, baby. This just doesn't make any sense. He's supposed to be a scientist. What scientist would say something that ridiculous? Virtual reality holds the key to human evolution. I don't see anything wrong with that. Kevin, you and I recently experienced 6D for the first time in our lives. We did. Right? We did. And that was a form of virtual reality. It was. Perhaps we'll discuss this in an upcoming After Dark. Oh, perhaps. But didn't you feel like you were evolving when you saw that? I was devolving. <laughs> I could feel myself slipping back into the primordial ooze. (laughs) So Pierce Brosnan's wife, she comes downstairs and she's really upset. Apparently they were supposed to go on a hot date that night, but Pierce was too busy trying to evolve humanity (laughs) through virtual reality. He skips out on their date. They were supposed to go back into the city. Yeah, whatever nebulous city that's supposed to be. And he's like, quit hassling me. Hey, get off my back, man. I'm going through a lot of changes right now. What changes are, are he going through? What would your wife say if you said that to her? Would she stand for that? Why would I even say that? <laughs> I'm going through a lot of changes right now. Uh, what, was Pierce hitting puberty at 45? That's the only way to explain that earring. That's a really good point. <laughs> he's got teen angst at 45. <laughs> By the way, I completely agree with his wife. Oh, yeah. She's 100% right. Like, she divorces him on the spot. Rightfully so. Yeah, I completely agree. It's so funny because, like, as a kid seeing this, I probably would have been like, oh, she's such a bitch and blah, 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 blah. Now that I'm an adult and I know how relationships work, Pierce is not a hero, you know? He's not like, wow, he's suffering for his genius. He's an ass. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Plain and simple. He's an unlikable guy. Yeah. So it's around this point that this movie was really... Really reminding me in bits and pieces of the X-Files episode, First Person Shooter. Oh, Kevin, you're getting deep. (laughs) You're getting real deep. Be careful. Tread lightly. And whatever you do, don't tread on me as you talk about this. All right. Do you remember that episode? Of course I do. One of the worst episodes of any TV show ever. Yeah, and that's what I I was really drawing parallels with this movie. (laughs) Didn't Mulder go into like a VR shoot 'em up thing? He did. Oh my god. How embarrassing. They they ought to be embarrassed, the people who ever wrote that. They should be. Yeah, I was getting flashes of it this whole time. Okay, so next door to Pierce Brosnan, there lives Father of the Year. Kevin, did you pick up any fathering tips from this guy when you become a Father of the Year? Yeah, I mean, it looked like in the middle of the night, he slaps his kids around. Yeah. (laughs) He slaps his kid around so loudly that the neighbors can hear and see it. It's probably good because you want to get your frustration of the day out before you go to sleep so you can get a good night's sleep. Never go to bed angry. That's a really good point. Ever. If my kid ever leaves their bicycle in my driveway, I should definitely pull my car up, open the door into it, smash it around a little bit, and then slap the kid around for <laughs> leaving. In front of witnesses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Always make sure there's witnesses when you're slapping your kid around. Hey, you know, 
it was the 90s, you know, things were different back then. Yeah, it's true though, right? Like, we laugh about it, but things were different. It wasn't that long ago, but things were really different. Oh, yeah. Then. Parents beat their kids yeah. in 1992. And it was acceptable. That was not an issue. If you were in a supermarket it back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you were in a supermarket back then and some kid was crying and the mom, like, slapped the kid upside the head, people would, like, cheer. They'd start laughing and, like, good job. <laughs> Right? High five. Well done. Yeah. Mother of the year. Today, Dyfus is calling. Oh, yeah. What happened? Did we lose something as a society? Or is it for the better, Kevin? No, I think it's for the better. I mean, kids shouldn't be slapped <laughs> around. <laughs> but what did we lose? Are kids unruly today? They're, I, they're I unstoppable think, now. Yeah, I think they are. They know how much power they have. We lost it, right? Adults lost the war with the children. <laughs> Listen, man, my mom cracked a spoon over my head one time, and I turned out pretty good. <laughs> What'd you do to deserve that spoon? Oh, I was being a real ass. <laughs> I had that coming. <laughs> All right, so we finally meet the lawnmower man himself, Job. Here's this guy. He's mentally challenged. He lives in a shed behind a church. He's a ward of the Catholic Church, I guess, or something like that. I don't know what's going on. It's not explained at all. He says he pays rent. Really? Yeah. He's not property of the Vatican? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what happened, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he lives behind the church, and yet another deadbeat dad character, the priest, he comes in and he beats this guy around left and right. Yeah, he slaps him around for not doing upkeep in the church or something. That's the Catholic <laughs> Church's best day. Okay, yeah, so Job is introduced. Kevin, what are your thoughts on Job as a character? You like him? You love him? You he... loathe him? I loathe him. <laughs> No, I mean, it's his performance. It's just so bad. I mean, he, he has this very blank stare, this childlike demeanor that this guy is portraying. It's just... What about those baby blue eyes? I mean, to be honest, I got lost in them a few times. <laughs> They're piercing, right? <laughs> I know Martin was a big fan of those. He would have shut his damn mouth about those. Like, like I know the listeners at home are probably like, "Oh, they're making fun of Martin again." <laughs> no, this is fact. Yeah, this right. Is, this he wouldn't shut up. We weren't even recording, and he was talking about. It. He's like, "Man, his eyes are really blue." We recorded like fifteen minutes of material that night before the computer completely died. Seven and a half to eight minutes of that was Martin talking about Jeff Fahey's eyes. <laughs> this performance is just so so bad and, and almost insulting. I don't, it, it doesn't seem to affect you as much. You didn't seem to care as much, but... I didn't give a damn. But why did it affect you so badly? I don't know. I just thought it was stupid. It showed a lack of effort. Instead of creating a, an adult character with a mental handicap... It's like Sling Blade it like, or something? Let's make... Let's just make him a child. Lazy writing. Like Jack. Lazy acting. Robin Williams. Yeah, I guess so. The reason they call this guy the Lawnmower Man is because he literally is the Lawnmower Man. He mows the lawns, apparently. He's got a way with machines. Yes. That's his thing. He's he, he might be mentally handicapped, but he has a knack with machines. He's built this big red lawnmower all on his own. Beautiful looking lawnmower. I'm going to ask you this question right now. Just because someone is a whiz with mechanical objects, mm-hmm. does that automatically make them a whiz with programmable objects? Like no. Software? No. Not, no. It has nothing to do with completely separate things. Yeah, they're completely separate worlds, right? Yeah. I guess we'll touch upon this a little later, correct? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay, so the lawnmower man is going around mowing the lawn and Pierce Brosnan, he's at his wits end. He sees Job, the lawnmower man, this simple-minded guy, and he wants to help him out. He wants to turn him into a genius. Flowers for Algernon kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. He goes up to him and... This scene was offensive. <laughs> 
<laughs> so again, this actor's portraying Job like an eight-year-old, like he's a kid. Pierce Brosnan, he goes up to him and he's like, "Hey, Job, you want some candy? You want you want to come play in my basement with me? I've got a game we could play." It was creepy, right? It was super creepy. Ten out of ten on the creep scale. Creepometer, like this this little kid essentially in a man's body is fiddling around, and then Pierce Brosnan creeps up, gets real close, whispers in his ear, "Want to play some games in my basement?" <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it was. It was super creepy. And, and uh, Job says, yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. Go play some Super Nintendo down there. Why not? Play some Plock. Pierce Brosnan seduces him yet again. Another creepo scene when they're on the couch. He gets real close, real uncomfortably close, I thought, yeah. to Job. And tells him, hey, I can make you smarter. You just can't tell anybody about it. What do you think about it, bro? Yeah, come play in my basement every day, but don't- Don't hey. tell anyone. It's our little secret. The way he makes him smarter is a little suspect, I think. A little? Just a little bit suspect. Okay, so Job gets injected with this magical, yet another glowing blue liquid in a Yes, That Bad feature film. I don't know what it is about blue liquid in movies. This stuff has never explained what it is. No, it's just, take this neurotropic blue liquid drug, injects it into his bloodstream, pops on the virtual reality, and what does he see in the VR world, Kevin? It's Job's brain, and he basically like takes his hand and like clicks on the part of the brain he wants to stimulate. I just didn't get any of this. Well, Job's visually, he's bombarded with these ancient alchemy runes and hermetic symbols. I didn't know this movie had a sick fascination with the macabre. (laughs) Yeah, so he hooks him up to this machine, and when he eventually turns on the virtual reality, it's just crazy, scary stuff, right? Demonic symbols. Like, that freak anybody out. Why does it do that? What does that have to do with anything? I mean, it kind of ties into this stupid thing that Job says later in the movie. What? When he's like, this is nothing new. Alchemists have been doing this for years. Why did Pierce pick these symbols to bombard his brain with? It doesn't make any sense, right? No, He's a modern scientist of the 90s. You know, Job, he goes for these sessions. He's... Starting to show some improvement in in his brain capacity. He's getting smarter. So we cut to the scene where Job's, he's hanging out in his his shed. Oh, it's pretty good. And he's hanging out. He's he's got his shirt off. Nice. He's showing off. It's got got like an 18 pack. Yeah. He's pretty ripped. Yeah. He's got like an 18 year old intelligence now, right? He's no longer a little kid. Yeah, that's probably accurate. He's probably around 18 because he's gaining some intelligence. He's definitely got an attitude about him at this point. Oh yeah, teen angst. Because... The priest comes in, he sees him walking around with his shirt off, (laughs) and he's like, what are you doing shirtless? This is an abomination. What is that? What is he being shirtless have to do with anything? He's in his own home. He's a man. Correct. He can't have no shirt on? No. How are you supposed to shower? You don't, period. I just, I didn't get this at all. I really did. They couldn't have had him be doing something inappropriate that the priest could have walked in on. Oh, like touching himself or yeah, something? Yeah, sure. He could have been looking at porno. I mean, that, that that was close to what he was kind of doing, right? He was looking at weird pictures of cowboys <laughs> and, and posing in a mirror. He was doing that. So What was he doing, by the way? He was trying to be a man. He was trying to be a tough guy. I guess so. So if the priest walked in and Job was looking at porno and started slapping him around, you'd be okay with that? That makes sense. That does make sense. Him just having no shirt on? What is, why does that make the priest so enraged? Lazy writing, you think? Yeah, it's like they didn't even bother trying. (laughs) (laughs) No one cared? 
<laughs> no one cared. Well, now Joe's become this cowboy beefcake man overnight. No, he really has. Yeah. Not only has is this, you know, made him smarter, it's definitely made him confident in himself at this point, right? Yeah. He's dressing well. He's walking tall like the rock. Yeah, his, his beefcake meter jumps up a few scales by the midpoint of this movie. I'm going five out of five right now. Whoa! Five out of five on the beef o meter. I was stunned. From zero to hero overnight. Pierce, sign me up for these VR treatments. <laughs> Get me in. Where's Pierce at on the beef o meter? <laughs> Negative five. <laughs> He gets five Matthew Brodericks <laughs> on the Pierce Brosnan scale. Yeah, so he's mowing the law. This desperate housewife, she's she's up on her balcony. She's checking him out. She's like, oh, looking good down there. She's supposed to be hot. 1992 hot. Yeah. Do you agree? 1992 hot, maybe. So she's flirting with him. She she eventually, she just has her way with him. Yeah. He's a piece of meat to her. Oh, yeah. Like, she is just lusting after that hot bod. Oh, yeah. What did you think of the sex? scene. I mean, it, it's only it once in a while realistic. we get those. How so? It wasn't like, I mean, you know. We even got a blue room sex scene, right? Well, that was real. That was what was realistic about it. As we've learned from all of our movies. Top Gun style. All sex happens in blue rooms. Yeah, that's why I bought a blue lamp for my <laughs> bedroom. <laughs> Joel wasn't getting enough action. I can't have the, sex without it now. It's like a Pavlov's dog <laughs> response. I, I can't do it without it. <laughs> well, you were saying it's realistic? How so? It was short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. Moving on. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, he's really stepping up his VR game. They're going into these gyrosphere things and these gyroscopes and rotating around 360 degrees. The things they're viewing in virtual reality are getting crazier and crazier. The CG quality is getting worse and worse. <laughs> It's just like these stupid silhouette men floating around in space with no articulation or, or anything. Yeah. It's awful. It's really, really terrible. You know, you may want to say something like, hey, man, cut them a break. It's 1992. And my rebuttal of that is, listen, buddy, Jurassic Park came out a year later. That's not a lot of time. Well, yeah, but you're comparing I'm practical out. effects to completely computer generated effects. Yeah. So you think those brachiosauruses are really there? They were not. It's a little different. Oh. Yeah. And what about the T-1000? Same time period. All right. That's, he a, was that's a, a better he argument. He was a liquid man. That's just a better. Like lawnmower man. That's a better argument. That's a better argument. I'll co-sign that. All right. All right. Where's your standing ovation for me? How dare you? I'm sorry. Apology accepted. <laughs> okay. So Job, he's he's getting his babes, bucks. He has it all, right? Beefcake man. Everything is coming up, Job. Yeah. Can you believe it? I, I, I'm i so happy for him. But things are taking a turn. His mental abilities are growing at an alarming rate. So Job's in this diner and all of a sudden we see from Job's point of view, Job vision, if you will, things start getting crazy. Yeah. Colors go wild. Screens start shaking. He starts seeing sounds. Yeah. Hearing <laughs> like, colors. Like somebody else I know. He can hear everyone's thoughts. He's a mind reader now. Telepath. He becomes Charles Xavier. Jean Grey. Now what are your thoughts on this turn of events? Did you see this coming? Uh, no, I didn't. Did you? No. And you introduce this kind of thing into a movie. You have to use it. This can't just be a 
side note in a movie. You have to explore this. That's a big deal. Yeah. Your character has literally evolved to the next step of human evolution. Just like Peter said he would. Through the magic of virtual reality. Yeah. And this is pretty much just shunned away. Like it comes up one more time and that's it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's one of his lesser abilities. That's true, but it's a pretty big deal. When you think about it, I think the ability to levitate things with your mind is less impressive than you being able to enter other people's psyches and personalities and stuff. That's that's more impressive. Really? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. So you would rather have that ability than the ability to levitate things? No, I would, no, I would never want the ability to read other people's minds. I would put a bullet in my head if that actually had that ability. That's the worst power, the worst. But yeah. I'm saying technically, scientifically, it's I don't more know. Mel impressive. Mel Gibson did pretty good with that ability. He got Helen Hunt in the end. That's a good point. That's a, <laughs> that's a really good point. And she knows how to handle a twister. <laughs> No, no, listen, like, you know, there's a barrier between us. I can't ever know what you're thinking or what you're doing, right? We're all separate individuals. And to break down that barrier, that's a really big deal. That's that's huge, yeah. right? We don't even know why we have a consciousness at all. Scientists don't know. Mm-hmm. So to be able to kind of breach that barrier, that's huge. You should explore that a little bit in your movie. Just a little teeny bit. I just have that as a side note. A little bit. You don't agree? You don't care? No, I agree. But that's not what this movie's going for. What's it going for? It's going for... Or cheap thrills? The cheapest of thrills. <laughs> Bottom basement thrills. Nobody wants this movie to be longer. But okay. if they had spent some time with him being able to hear people talk about how stupid he is and belittle him in their minds and him hear that, that could at least explain his rage. All right. So behind the scenes, we find out that the evil corporation that's in charge of everything, which Kevin, they have the greatest name ever for an evil corporation, right? The shop. What are your thoughts? That's terrible. Why? What's that? Why is that so bad? It's st- stupid. The shop. What does that mean? What, the is, shop. what, what is that? <laughs> they literally could have called him anything else. Anything else. It would have been more intimidating, right? Yeah. But apparently the shop wants results and they decide to change the magic blue drug to a magic red drug. And Kevin, if movies have taught me anything is that red drugs are bad for you. Yeah, they swap in this aggressive formula. You know, at this point, they know Pierce is experimenting on a human being. They've accepted this. Well, don't you think Pierce Brosnan and Job himself would notice that the drugs aren't blue anymore? Maybe they're colorblind? Yeah, okay. The both <laughs> of them are colorblind. <laughs> That specific version of colorblind where blue and red look the same? I couldn't believe that when when he switched those drugs. They made them red so we, the audience, would understand that he did something. Yes. For the same reason why we could see the uh, info beam in Battleship. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. They, they have to do a visual change. But it's a stupid change because it would never work. Job is getting smarter. Yeah. Real smart. He would look at that drug immediately and say, this isn't the same drug. I'm not going to take it. But instead, what happens, Kevin? No one notices. And Job, he starts getting the more aggressive formula and he becomes more powerful and more aggressive. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> Job goes crazy. This is a typical Frankenstein story, right? The power goes to his head he loses his humanity and he wants to push his limits. He wants to push his limits and the limits of virtual reality. Yeah, that's that's very accurate. That's, that's pretty much the plot of this film, right? He starts gaining more
more powers. Now he has telekinesis. He's moving things all around. All he does is pick up a chair in one scene. And this scene is pretty incredible, right? <laughs> Martin gave us one last gift before he left. He did. He was like, you can see the wires. Yeah, you can very, very clearly see wires when Job is levitating this. <laughs> <laughs> this chair they didn't even bother to get like those invisible wire it's like ref- the most reflective metal wire ever look they get a they get a d for effort in this movie <laughs> <laughs> this is on par with the catapult in house of the dead <laughs> Yeah, it definitely is. But anyway, so Job's crazy. He's taking the most aggressive drug ever. He's ODing on haterade, you could say, right? Yep. His hate for the human race is rising exponentially. He's wearing like the Tron suit or whatever. I mean, we're we're just like jumping over to the end here. I mean, we're skipping over the part where he has cyber sex with the next door neighbor, Kevin. Yeah, he breaks into the lab with her. They start having virtual sex, which is one of the weirdest things. I've ever seen. One of the worst scenes in a movie ever. And they merge into like this dragonfly and they're flying around. And, and she gets stuck in virtual reality. Yeah, and it's, it's from our primal mind. What? Huh? I, I don't know. And when she gets out of that, it's like she was breathing in Joker gas because all she does is laugh. Yeah, because Job morphs into a demon in the virtual reality world and it fries her brain somehow. This movie is off the rails. Completely off the rails. That demon thing was unreal. So worst looking effect ever well anyway so job's lost it he's he's going crazy he's this drug makes him 10 trillion times as aggressive and he starts getting revenge on all the people in his life that have done him wrong and there's pretty much three main culprits here right there's the uh the priest yep there's a bully at the gas station we didn't even talk about because who cares not worth talking about and the deadbeat dad who beat his kid to death (laughs) yep this is where this movie really takes off yeah, it, it took seven hours to get here, but it finally starts getting fun. These deaths are, each one is just so amazing. Crazier than the last. And it's it, it's beautiful. So Joe's wearing like a suit from Tron Legacy, and whenever he uses his power, it lights up. Yeah, it does. I don't really understand why, but it lights up. It's okay, it's cool looking. So, I have a question, Kevin. Is Job's psychic power derived from virtual reality? Is he making things from the virtual world come to the real world. This movie was kind of going both ways. I didn't really know what to do because the stuff that people were seeing in the real world was looked like the virtual stuff. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> you think the filmmakers know the answer to that question? I don't think they do. Well, Job goes to the priest and he gives him some vigilante justice. The priest sees him and the priest is terrified and he starts praying and stuff. And then what does he do? He, I think... <laughs> We're not sure. I think he lights him on fire with his mind. Yeah, pyrokinetic. Pyrokinesis. Firestarter. But what I saw on screen... It's a little different than that, right? It exactly look like a man on fire. <laughs> Denzel Washington? <laughs> I didn't see Denzel Washington anywhere. This is one of the all-time worst CG scenes I've ever seen in my life. It looked like, instead of him having flames, he looked furry. Yeah, it was a complete CG fire effect before the technology existed to make fire that looked convincing. At this point, couldn't they just have doused someone in yeah. the flame retardant stuff? And I was thinking the exact... Couldn't they just do a fire? 
stuntman yeah, instead? Yeah, like, how easy is that? Instead, we get this laughable. I laughed so hard. All the glass in my apartment shattered <laughs> from the laughter. It looked like all these balls, right? Little CG balls were floating in space in the silhouette of a man. It reminded me of those floating dancing men you see in front of used car salesmen yeah. that get you to come in. It was waving around like that. You could see right through it, right? <laughs> you could see the priest, the actor, yeah, behind it, it. It was very clearly not in the same scene as that. <laughs> it was unbelievable. One of the worst effects ever, slash one of the best effects ever, because <laughs> I laughed unbelievably hard. And I'm going to tell you, Kevin, this effect directly affects my review of this movie. This one scene. Okay. I mean, it's piss poor, but I laughed so hard. It was so hard. And this is worth seeing. <laughs> it really is. This is really worth seeing. It really is. It's got to be on YouTube or something. All right. So he slaughters this priest. Next victim, the bully at the gas station. This guy is like a biker kind of person. That's all you really need to know about him. He's a tough guy. He's a bully. Just imagine your stereotypical 90s bully and you got this guy. All right. So Job goes to kill this guy, but he doesn't just kill him in a normal way. He does something rather unusual, I thought. Well, so Job, he starts pulling the gas station pumps out and it looks like he's going to douse the guy in gasoline. Light him on fire. Yeah. Like that would kind of fit this scene because it just followed him lighting the other guy on fire. But instead he ties the the guy up with the, the gas pumps. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some higher up said you can't light him on fire. You already did that in the last scene. You can't do it again, right? You gotta Probably. up the ante. Yeah. So he ties this guy up with the gas pumps, and Job looks at him. This guy's begging for his life, right? He's literally begging, please don't kill me, don't hurt me. Yeah. So I guess Job takes mercy on him. They look at each other, their eyes lock in a romantic embrace. It's beautiful. And Job has this little CG face in his eyeball. And then... I don't even know how to explain this. The CG face appears with a lawnmower mouth. Correct. That's the lawnmower man. It then appears to be hovering over a a CG brain. And starts mowing the brain with his mouth? Yes. Lawnmower man's in your head now, Jake. I just don't, I don't understand. He in- injected a virus into him, right? He infected him with a computer virus. What? That's what happened, right? How, what? That's what I, I took from that. How is- Isn't that what happened? What? <laughs> I don't know what happened. But if that's your explanation, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. What do you think of the CG effects on that face? I mean, they were better than the fire. They were just confusing, right? This is just a confusing scene. The the movie just went completely off the rails at this point. I don't understand anything of what's happening. No, and it just gets crazier (laughs) as we go from here. And the final death scene is the deadbeat dad character. You know, this scene, we all had a little sympathy in our hearts for this guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, up to this point, this guy's a villain. You know, he's slapping his kid around. He had a rough day of beating his kid around. He just wanted to relax. Yeah, I mean, this is when we find out, what, you know, what's really going on here. And it, the, the fact is that this guy's working all day. He wants to come home. He wants to crack open a beer. He wants to sit down in front of his television. And he wants to watch himself some WWE wrestling. Oh, hey, hey, hey. That's F. Back in 1992. <laughs> That's true. This is WWF. He turns on the TV. We hear the sweet tones of JR doing the color commentary. <laughs> my ears perked up. I was like, oh, oh my God. Wrestling? In this movie? Oh, that's a star right there. One star plus. I mean, this guy just wants to sit down, relax, and watch some sweet chin music. (laughs) 
<laughs> but instead, he's got this brat kid who's hassling him. All day. He's leaving his bike in the driveway, so he's probably late. He didn't get home in time to see the 9 p.m. Raw start time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he missed the Boston Crab. He immediately becomes a sympathetic character and the hero of the story to me. (laughs) (laughs) True victim. And then Job shows up and he does the only death in this movie that makes any sense whatsoever. He uses his psychic powers to move the lawnmower and attack this guy and to kill him with the lawnmower. Yep. This is the only kill that makes any sense. The lawnmower man killed a guy with a lawnmower. Case closed. Job decides that he wants to inject his brain into virtual reality. And from there, somehow, he'll be able to infect every mainframe on the planet and rule the internet, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense in a world we live in today. Was there really that, like, was the internet that big of a network at that point? Was it all interconnected in 1992 in that way? He was talking about, like, infecting telephone lines and TV. It didn't make any sense sense to me at all. How is that crap connected to virtual reality goggles that you put on your head and you look around a, a program that some guy wrote? When you're in virtual reality, you're just looking at a video in front of your eyes. A lot of telephones in 1992 were still rotary phones. Yeah. What connection do they have to a, any network? This plot doesn't make any sense at all. No, it doesn't. He'd be better off being in the real world, right? With his powers. He has actual physical control of the real world and he's gonna give that up to go into the virtual world for what? Immortality. I guess. Yeah, so Job gets into the virtual reality and he decides he's gonna become the cyber god that the movie originally intended this to be. Yep. He puts on the CG goggles. What happens to his body? It like dries out and disintegrates basically. Like a mummy. Raisin. It was like somebody sucked the moisture out of his body. How does this work? I don't know. All he's doing is transferring his consciousness to the internet. He transferred his soul. Oh, okay. All right. You, thank you, Kevin. You, You're welcome. You nailed it. All right. Now he's in the CG world, but he didn't figure that Pierce Brosnan would be a master hacker. Oh, yeah. And he'd go in and like write this computer virus, literally wrote a virus on the fly mm-hmm. that hacked the system and trapped Job into the mainframe. Yeah, he can't escape. He's, he's trapped in that specific mainframe, which means he's vulnerable. Yeah. All you have to do is destroy that mainframe. I don't know why he didn't just um plugged the power to the computer and killed Job right then and there. It seemed like that's all Pierce Brosnan needed to do. But instead, we had this convoluted plot of Pierce Brosnan planted these bombs all over the building and somehow this little stupid turd kid is there running around the building. Kevin, what is happening in this film? Please explain it to me. So Pierce Brosnan, he he spends like 20 minutes running C4 all around the building. Oh, he could have taken notes from Statham. He plugs himself into the computer to confront Job in the virtual reality. I don't know what the point of that is. Why would he do that? Go to where Job is the most powerful? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Although, is he still the most powerful? Because he's lost all his powers. Wouldn't they be on an even playing field? It's not like Job has this telekinesis in a computer. No, but what does Job say when he goes into the CG world? In here, I'm God now. And as you know on this show, Kevin, you have nothing but success. Only good things happen to people who say things like that. I, I just 
don't understand why he was in there. I don't know what he expected to do other than tell Job what's going on. He's like a Bond villain explaining his plan at the end of the movie. He's like, I've wired this whole place to explode. You're gonna die. Of course, he's gonna die with him because he's stuck in there. So somehow they hear the little boy. Oh yeah, in the virtual reality when world. When they're in virtual reality world, they can hear the real world. It would make sense that Pierce could hear the kid because he's still a person. But Job completely disconnected himself from the real world, right? Yeah, that's true. How does he hear the kid? Peter, you're there. Where are you, Peter? Oh. So Job, he doesn't want the little kid to die. It's his friend. He sends Pierce Brosnan out. He allows him to leave. So Pierce Brosnan, he gets the kid running out of the building. It takes them four hours to get out of that building. I couldn't believe my eyes. I could not believe my eyes. The bombs start going off. Super slow motion. And they don't even seem to be that big of bombs. They're going off all over the building, but the one at the computer doesn't go off <laughs> for like 15 minutes. Because we have like 15 minutes of Job pulling all these different doors and trying to access them and getting denied, 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 denied. What was, th- there was this big countdown on these bombs. Yeah. But they didn't all go off when they were supposed to. So there's a big explosion. Job's gone. Dead, right? Right before that last explosion, we hear Job, a back door. <laughs> it's a little back door action. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess he gets to escape the mainframe, right? So... Kickstarts Job's war. <laughs> We're back home with Pierce Brosnan. I guess he's he's moving in on the neighbor kid's mom. Yeah, I guess right? so, right? After he, the dad got slaughtered by Job, he's going to take her as his own. Yeah, so they're they're all hanging out in, in Pierce's basement. They go to go out, I presume, to the city. Because now he's going to treat, <laughs> he learned his gonna treat this woman, right? And the phone starts ringing, and we hear all the phones start ringing. The phones all over the world are ringing. It's Job's celebration? Yeah, it's his I birth guess. cry, he said. Yeah. The end. That's Lawnmower Man, a scathing indictment of the Catholic Church technology and virtual reality. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Every once in a while, an idea comes along that's so lame, it surprises even me. This was three of those times. Widget Walls, needcoffee.com. It begins well, then runs out of gas. James Sanford, Kalamazoo Gazette. And finally, it's notable mainly for the fact that Stephen King sued for the use of its name. Rob Vow, Flipside Movie Emporium. Okay, Kevin, this movie currently holds a 47% around tomatoes. Oh, come on, Kevin, is it really that bad? Come on. It's worse than that. That's a very generous score for this movie. For me, yeah, this is that bad. This is a two out of five. It's a terrible movie, but, and this is really, really rare for me to say this, it's so bad it's good. It's a movie you can watch. Oh, Kevin, this is your first. It's a movie you can watch and laugh at. It's so bad. It's just some of this stuff, it really, it needs to be seen. It it really does. The the ape scene in the beginning. Hilarious. the, The the priest being set on fire. Oh, man. The CG guy with the lawnmower mouth eating the brain. <laughs> and this stuff is just, it's so ridiculous. I laughed more during this movie than most of the comedies I've ever watched. Oh, man. That's such a good point. You're absolutely right. So, am I going to give it a three because of that? No, it's not going to get off for that. It's still going to have the disclaimer that it's a bad movie. Was this funnier than The Hangover? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I laughed way more during this than I did the hangover. 
Okay. So yeah, this, this movie gets a two out of five. It's a bad movie, but it's pretty funny. I almost want to give this movie a one out of five. It's so bad. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna completely and totally mirror your review. In reality, two out of five. But hey, this is hilarious. Three out of five. Get your friends together. If it's two a.m. and everyone's defenses are gone, you watch this movie. You're gonna be on the floor laughing, man. Oh, this movie's a joke. A joke from beginning to end. Everything they did in this movie was wrong. <laughs> But with hilarious results, right? The scene where it's in the very beginning when Pierce is like, he gets the phone call that the ape died. Yeah. He's looking out his window and he's just watching the neighbor kid get pummeled by his dad. And then he just walks away. Like it's like a normal occurrence. Hilariousness. It's just, it's so funny. This movie could only be made in 1992. Wow. There's no other year this movie could. Yes. Even 1993 would have been too late. (laughs) And 1991 would have been too early. It, It hit that sweet spot. Of 1992. And you know, for what it is, I'm glad it happened. So there you have it. So bad, it's good. We don't toss those out that often. Usually these movies are just bad. (laughs) So bad, it's bad. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Let's read some listener mail. Burned writes in and says, Dear sirs, just wanted to congratulate you on a great discussion of Vendetta. I say that mostly because I agree with all the love given to the film in your Yes, That Bad showcase. I cheered every five and was disinterestedly dismissive of the single diminutive four given. V for Vendetta is a movie that I have watched many, many times. I even make a point doing so on or around the 5th of November each year. So much of that uniquely, I noticed there were several times in the review that there were conspicuous cuts in the commentary coinciding with components of the canon that I couldn't consider not contemplating. So he, he mentions all these different parts in the movie that we didn't mention in the review and he wanted to know if it was like time constraints or why didn't we bring them up. I guess as a yes, a bad purist, as well as a fan of, of the particular movie, I wanted to know whether you had skipped these parts for a reason, time constraints, or whether they had been recorded but cruelly removed after the recording for editing reasons, time constraints. I think I once heard you mention that indeed the recordings are 99% laughter and less than 1% actual commentary. So one hour podcast would naturally take almost four days to record. Hence, you only do once a week. Anyway, I just thought I'd ask. Okay, so yeah, some behind the scenes, yes, that bad stuff. That episode of E for Vendetta was like two and a half hours long. We recorded it, right? That was a huge session. Yeah. So we we pretty much discussed every single thing that's in that movie that's worth discussing. Yeah, I think we actually broke the scripts out at one point and went verbatim with every character's lines. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we read them back to each other. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we can only fit so much in the show. And I make the decisions of what to keep. I'm trying to keep the show at an hour. That's like a good time frame, right? Uh An hour. Any more than that is a little unwieldy. So I feel that stuff's gotta go, right? Even if it's mildly interesting, if it doesn't add to the overall content, it's gone. You're God now. Whoa, 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 Kevin, whoa. (laughs) Careful, careful. Okay, and finally, Kevin, we have a listener here, Coleman. He's a writer, director, and he's trying to make his own independently funded film about Resident Evil. All right, so he wants to make his own independently funded movie based on Resident Evil because he thinks the original movie was so piss poor, he wants to remake it and make it better. Thoughts? I tend to agree with him. It's a noble cause, right? It sure is. I'll put a link to his Indiegogo page so people can check it out to see if they 
they may want to help him out to make his dream a reality. Because Kevin, this is a long-time listener. Mm. Okay, that's it. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yesatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. And next week's movie is the 1995, 96, whatever, classic Gary Oldman, The Fifth Element. Oh, boy. Gary Oldman, Kevin. Oh, boy. Chris Tucker, Joel. Chris Tucker, yes! <laughs> Can't wait. Even though I watched this movie like two weeks ago. Why did you do that? <laughs> uh, my girlfriend wanted to see it, so we watched it together. It's on the schedule. Why did we just like, let's wait two weeks, and then we can watch it? She really wanted to watch it. Why didn't you convince her she doesn't want to watch this? <laughs> <laughs> well, tune in next week when we'll be watching The Fifth Element, Kevin's favorite movie from that time period. Yeah, I have a dark, dark checkered past with Fifth Element. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please help spread the word of the show by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yesthatbad. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. You can follow the show on Twitter at yeahitsbad. You can follow Martin at yeahitsmartin. You can follow Kevin at yeahitskev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. Don't forget to get our latest premium podcasts at yeahitsthatbad.bandcamp.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. But he's the lawnmower man. Did you see him operate that lawnmower? What does that have to do with anything? His skills are second to none. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you go on these tangents with things that have nothing to do with anything. It has everything to do with this movie. What, did he mow a lawn? <laughs> <laughs>